0: Welcome to Elevate Louisiana's Engage videocast. Elevate Louisiana was founded in 2020 to empower women leaders throughout Louisiana by connecting and educating them on the challenges impacting our state with data-driven nonpartisan solutions to make a better future for Louisiana. Hi there, I'm Julie Stokes with Elevate Louisiana. In today's Engage videocast, we're discussing how to be a good advocate. My guests are Cassie Alsfeld, President of Shoreline Strategies, and Katie Corcoran, the Executive Director of the Rural Mental Health Alliance. Welcome, Cassie and Katie. Hey there. So
1: excited to be uh, on this today with you guys.
0: Yeah, so glad, so glad. So, you know, I think we're just going to bust right in. What is advocacy?
1: Well, advocacy is all about inspiring and driving action and building some public support for an issue, a bill, a cause, a legislative, um, you know, procedure, um, any sort of legal um, matter. Um, and But really, anybody can be an advocate for a cause. Anybody can be an advocate for an issue um, or even a bill. Um, it's all about educating, engaging, and mobilizing people to take action. And um, it's, it's. I, I like to call it a lot of times lobbying light without a lot of the strings and you know, chaos that usually surrounds it. Um, but it's more so driven from the ground up versus top down and building support amongst, um, you know, just average citizens or concerned citizens, people that are leaders in different organizations um, so it can be anybody from a parent to you know the head of an association, um, really anyone in between as well
0: exactly, good well, so you know it, it, what do you think motivates someone to be an advocate? I know when I was in the legislature, you know I saw a lot of people you know that that come before the legislature and some are professional and some are or moms that, that you know, feel a certain calling because of the situation they're in. It really runs the gamut.
2: Mm-hmm. So what motivates someone to be an advocate is basically to change what is into what should be. And so oftentimes those are personal situations that we're in or someone we love or just a, an issue that we see in our community that we want to change. And so I know for myself, I was a parent um, when I first began advocacy and now it's my job. But so what motivated me was my son Connor and his disability services being cut um, or needing expanding as well as his um, chronic seizures. Um, and we wanted to change that by treating him with medical marijuana. So that's what got me motivated to be at, um, an advocate, but it's it's just the passion and the general authentic authenticity that you have, you know, to make change. and. In your state or your country,
0: yeah, I know when I went through my cancer battle, um, you know I kind of felt like I wanted to start passing legislation to help other cancer patients. I hate the word yeah. in that in that in that you know, but to help people you know get better treatment to avoid cancer if that was a thing that we could do as a legislature but um when i left the legislature i was very got swept up in a group called that we started called cancer advocacy group and so sometimes you know it can switch to something that you're doing as part of an organization you know kind of like you, you got you ended up working with the rural mental health alliance and that was out of your own advocacy yeah. issues that were personal
2: yeah, yeah. seeing what you do, what you can do um out of you know a need of your own personal situation but then it you know. catapults you into something else that you just never dreamed of exactly and i feel like there's also
1: you know there's the more organized routes you can take and organizations that you work you can work with and also coalitions like different organizations that have a similar mission or have a similar issue or bill that they're rallying behind but there's so much that we can all do on our own same with with both of you i I do a lot of personal advocacy through my social media channels and a lot of the um, talks I give and work I do on my own um, um, battle with um, an autoimmune disease and you know it's all about just raising awareness and educating people on the challenges and eventually that's how you get people to take notice on these issues and you're seeing so many of the most effective advocacy campaigns right now happening from the ground up, from concerned citizens, patients, caregivers, what have you, who are just taking their own channels um, to get the message out there from there, movements can build.
0: So, you know, along those same lines, what do you think it takes to make an effective advocate? Like, what are the qualities that you have to have?
2: There's quite a few, Um, there's, you know, anyone can be an advocate, but to be an effective advocate, you have to have clear, concise communication. You have to learn to somewhat control your emotions. You don't want to be fake or anything, but you have to control it be respectful to the policymakers that you're working with. And that's very important. Um, You have to be persuasive in telling your story because it's important for advocates to speak up on their cause because they're educating policymakers on what they deal with on a day-to-day basis. And in order for the policymakers to help them, you know, they need to know. Um, So in addition to those, I think being flexible, understanding that you're not going to win everything. I mean, you're going to try and you're going to try very hard, but you have to have realistic expectations Um, and just being persistent throughout it all, um, because it could take years sometimes um, with whatever goal you have in mind.
0: That's no lie. So very true. Cassie, it looked like you had something you wanted to chime in.
2: Well, yeah, and I, I think you hit
1: on all the the main points of it, as well as good at relationship building. Because like you were just saying, some of this stuff could take years, um, some causes and issues, decades, sadly enough. I mean, I think with the rise of social media and everything else, People are lo- are able to take to their, like I said, their own channels to really push out different messaging. Um, so we're seeing a lot of issues that have sat dormant for a while get expedited because of that public pressure. And you know, it's almost like the peer pressure effect. Um, but you you do need people on your side that have good connections too, to the policymakers and the you know even just the game changers within the political and policy arenas because it oftentimes takes coming in as a coalition coming in with other organizations to make an impact to make a difference um so you know those are just like other skills if you don't have them or you know that's not your you know strongest skills try to find people or organizations that you can work with
0: yeah yeah, I mean, I, I think you I really can't say enough about that, you know, professionalism. And I think that's what Katie was talking about when she talked about communication and being able to kind of control your emotions. Now, I'll tell you, being an effective communicator, sometimes your emotions can leak out a little bit. You know, when uh, I handled a bill for the Komen uh, Foundation and there's was a, a, a girl that I'll never forget, that she had stage four metastatic cancer. And we were trying to, you know, uh, to get rid of step therapy, which is basically saying that you're gonna fail first and then you get to try the next thing. But you have to try the cheapest thing first. And um, the legislature really wasn't in the mood that year to get anything passed, but I don't think there was a dry eye in the place once mm-hmm. she told her story. You know, at, at the same time, if you go in there overwrought with emotions, a lot of times everybody just kind of glazes over on you. And, and you, you, you could stop right there because you've lost them. Right. But I think it's that sincere, um, sincere emotion is okay. You know, not maybe anger, though. Like you said, uh, being flexible. Right. Uh, oh, that's so important because I've watched many a person, too, say something that really probably resonated. But then they, they didn't get what they wanted, and they flew off the handle, and they were never looked at the same way again. You know, I mean, it just isn't something that you can really do. And um, and allies, Cassie. I mean, you're right. I think that's so important. Um, you know, even when you know I'm handling a cancer-related bill or whatever, I try to find all the different people I know that'll be in that room that would also feel the same way to turn in green cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's how you tell the people up on the, uh, up, you know, behind the, the table, the legislators that you're in favor or not in favor by, by turning in green and red cards. So it's very good stuff. So, you know, what do you think some of the barriers are to people, you know, becoming advocates for what they're passionate about and how can they overcome that?
1: Well, some of it is a resource issue. So financial, if you're doing a a large scale scale campaign for a very big issue, you're going to need to invest in certain resources like a good advocacy platform um, where you can give people the tools to email or tweet at or call their legislator. Um, And, you know, having, maintaining, you know, a good website and um, social media accounts and, and just stuff like that. And then there's also the the media narrative if you know the the you know the perception on an issue is not as great as you would like it to be or there's a lot of opposition a lot of money on the other side of it you're pushing you know against you're going against the current there and so a lot of people don't take that into consideration that you know you do have to have a comprehensive strategy because if you're pushing against a media narrative you know, it's it's in public opinion. Um, you know, that's very um, you know well pronounced. It's kind of hard to go against that cur- current current. Um, or say your organization's not as well known, or a lot of the people that are going in um, and trying to organize them, like for a lot of these bigger campaigns. Um, you know, who may not have as many contacts or experience doing it, um, that can be a limitation and um, something that kind of makes it harder to to get over those um, barricades. But um, also just thinking about for a lot of larger campaigns as well, like having a good email list, text messaging list, social media following, that stuff again plays into the media narrative, the public perception. um, And also like you were just talking about, the political agenda or whatever the political and policy appetite is at the time um, maybe this is not a high priority this session but it could be in the in the future um, it's usually easier to ride the waves of something that's really pressing a big media narrative um, something politically expedient like you can kind of hit your you know wagon onto that but i will also say one other thing through covid We've seen a lot of just the traditional channels have changed. And uh, I do a lot on the federal level and um I've done a lot on Capitol Hill and, and elsewhere. And on that side of things, you can't even get into Capitol Hill without going through a million di- different steps. So, like even getting in there with your advocates to meet with legislators is a challenge in and of itself. And um, you know, a lot of people are having to do things via Zoom like we're doing right now. Um, and um, just the impact of lobbying impacts and, and everything else has been diminished as a result of all these changes in environments um, in, due to COVID. So we're seeing, I think, a big boom and big opportunity for advocacy to really play a larger force than anything else during this time than ever before. So advocates are gonna be more important than ever, but it's just having to overcome those barriers. And Katie, I don't know if you still had um, examples from your your own experiences.
2: Yeah, so working with other parents and other stakeholders just on a state level, sometimes they think that they don't have time or they don't have um, you know, the time of the day to get to the cap level because they have to work. And that's totally understandable, But I think people don't understand the impact that emails, um, phone calls, voicemails, and social media can really have in telling their story and explaining what they need in order to be, you know, to help their issue. So I think that's a huge part um, for just the everyday citizen wanting to speak up. Um, They need to utilize these resources that don't take too much time and energy. It's just, you know, a quick 10 minutes out of your day or just on social media the impact is profound you know i will say one
1: other thing that i was just thinking about
2: I, and it kind of goes
1: back to the resource thing and the financial thing a lot of groups and a lot of more well-funded ones think that they have to just hire lobbyists and they invest a lot of their resources especially for larger issues that there there's a lot of political pressure for and they allocate so many resources to lobbying and not as many resources to advocacy whereas you can get a lot more from advocacy than you could from lobbying because you bring it in the grassroots as well as the grass tops. So business leaders, civic, community leaders, you know, those with political ties. And I've often seen people don't realize and a lot of the organizations don't prioritize that funding and they should. That should be, you know, where the, you know, where it starts and then you build out from there. But I'm hoping that with COVID, that's with the trajectory and environment shifting. I'm hoping that people start to reallocate those resources.
0: It's been super interesting, you know, to watch around the Capitol because I mean, really, it used to be that all of the lobbyists and advocates stood behind the chamber in this big, you know, room out there and in the rotunda of the Capitol. And for a couple of years there, that wasn't really a Thing you know, um, so it will be interesting to see how the trajectory changed, and um, you know if that brings any lasting changes. I, I kind of think the days are over when you you go not for everybody, but for a lot of people when you make these business trips like up to D.C. when you can connect with your lawmaker by Zoom. I think you'll see a lot more of that. So, so what would you recommend for somebody who has identified an issue? and they want to get started really kind of maybe either speaking just for themselves, you know, and going up to the Capitol, or maybe even, you know, pulling together a group to get involved in a particular topic. How do you think, what are the best way to get that started? I always like to say to build out
1: tiers of prospective targets. So, I mean, that's really easy. You can do it on a Google spreadsheet and you can share that and everybody can access it in real time. Um, So you can break it into tiers like one tier can be low hanging fruit, um, you know, in terms of legislators you need to connect with. One tier can be um, individuals like different leaders um, or other patients or parents or like the everyday advocates that you see that, you know, are very passionate about this issue and have compelling stories, have a large following. or, and or, um, you know, are part of other larger organizations and have big networks that they can tap into. So kind of identifying your champions with you, your fellow advocates or prospective advocates. Um, and then another tier is different organizations or associations, the allies that you can bring in with you. Um, and then for, I mean, really thinking about it on the larger scale to do a really comprehensive advocacy campaign. You need to be pulling together resources and identifying who are your prospective advocates and who are your current advocates. But you need to be making the effort to build up those lists, especially like actual email list and text messaging list and everything else. You need to be doing that now, especially if you have ongoing issues or just issues that that's all your organization champions. Because you can't wait till the last minute to mobilize people and organize a larger effort to get people to contact legislators. You need to be doing that now and keeping them engaged and educated on the issues, regularly communicating with them them, via email, social media, et cetera. Um, And also building up some contacts with the press. Um, If there are different reporters that have your issue on their beat, or are, you know legislative reporters, try to build some sort of relationship with them, or at least reach out and let them know who you are. Um, but there's different ways you can do that. And then also thinking about where do you allocate resources? Again, you're gonna need a good website. You're gonna need, if you're doing a large scale campaign, an advocacy platform, um, and you know having materials, research materials that you need to be handing out, one pagers, letters to legislators,
0: et cetera. I always, I laugh when you say one pagers because I, I I tell people, if you can't fit it on a page, don't bring it to the legislature. <laughs> it. Fit it on a page and you can refer the ones of them who, who have the time to read more information to your other information. But I mean, legislators have to read hundreds of pages of things a day, so fit it on page, I always say, and, you know, kind of like with what you were saying, the first thing you want to do is know that you're going to be comfortable there, and I think two easy ways to do that is to go meet your rep, Representative and go meet your senator, you know, most of the time if you ask for a meeting with your representative or your senator when they're not in session, or even when they are, which might be a little more difficult, you know, just go connect with them. They really want to know their voters and they want to know the people they're representing. So um, that'll get you a little bit more comfortable when you show up at the Capitol. And then another thing is like a group like Elevate. I mean, quite frankly, we have our day at the Capitol. You come walk around with us and learn the ins and outs of how the Capitol works. And how do you get a green card and a red card? And where do the room, where are the rooms? How do you get in the building? You know, um, it's gotten kind of difficult, but Katie, I know you've had some really amazing examples of getting, if not hundreds, tens of women to the Capitol, you know, in all matching shirts and and advocating for the long haul. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, so there's a group of people that show up to the Capitol almost every year, not so much the past two years because of COVID, but the the Louisiana Developmental Disabilities Council, they have been around for decades and they advocate for home and community-based services for people with developmental disabilities. And so there was these yellow shirts that they would put on uh, parents from all over the state. And the the DDC is what we called them. They would send out emails. Um, They had Mm -hmm. advocacy leaders that alerted people like this is going to be being heard in a committee on Tuesday. You need to show up, you know, be prepared to tell your story. Um, And there is a huge impact um, from getting that grassroots efforts um, and advocacy. Um, like the impact is huge and being able to talk to these legislators because nine times out of 10 these legislators don't live the lives we do um, with someone with a developmental disability Um, you know sometimes they do and we get so excited when we see somebody that you know lives even an inkling of our life and so that is huge um, gathering the masses and getting them there to speak on it at the same time with the same message but also um, just from a smaller level, but still very profound, is helping, I, my son and I were at the Capitol in 2016, um, almost all during the session advocating for medical marijuana. Um, Senator Mills brought a bill that just changed everything. I know for, for my son, he's off of three of his, he was on six seizure meds. He was able to get off three of those. And um, it's just been astounding, you know, so that's um a huge part and just being able to express you know our advocacy on social media really helped rally the masses and get them involved in calling and emailing their legislator like even if they didn't show up there um they were getting their message heard too
0: yeah now,
2: no, we- that, that's so true Go ahead, oh, oh sorry
1: to um interject you know that's annoying on these things but um i was going to say i mean i was a former Capitol hill staffer and build a relationship with the staffers. I know on the state level, they don't have as big a staff, um, but try to identify those that they do and and send them a lot of materials. Keep them up to date because we're the ones that are going to the members and telling them, giving them the information that y'all get and giving them the stories if members are voting and they can't, you know, because the schedules are always crazy. So if they can't physically be there to meet with them or even after the meeting, giving them a rundown of why they need to take action on this and why they need to do it now and here's how they can do it. Um, So building that relationship and giving them the materials um, to take action. And even if you're spelling out like the talking points that they can relay, um, I I think that's so effective I still remember my best meetings were always with advocates like, like you and your group and pretty much anything y'all said, I was like, all right, you know, we will sign on to X, Y, Z thing. It's usually in a lot of cases, the staffers that are making a lot of those decisions and then yeah. the the member um, or debriefing him or her. So um, I think, you know, it's, there's just so much you can do, but it just, is about building those relationships,
0: maintaining that communication and stating your why and how. Well, and I think that that's one of the important parts is that that, as a legislator, there's really a lot that you don't know. Like, I mean, the first time that Senator Mills brought that bill for medical marijuana, I had no idea that marijuana had been so effective in treating seizures, you know? Mm -hmm. That was new information (laughs) to me. And so just (laughs) because just let's just say they really don't know everything we rely on we they rely on lobbyists and and advocates because even if you think you understand one side of you know a scenario it's impossible to see it from every angle so I think it's a really big part of being a, a thoughtful good legislator to listen to people you know um so remember In advocating, it's not just about getting what you want, although ultimately that's what you hope for. It's about getting that education done. Um, Super important. The
2: effective advocates, you know, they are well-versed in their area of expertise, and they're continually learning, you know, looking at new and innovative ways to, um, you know, further their cause, and ultimately being able to relay that and educate the, the policymakers.
1: And there can always be situations where the member or their staff is so passionate about your issue, they really connect and they don't like Julie was just saying, like when she was a legislator, you know, they may not know that, you know, say a treatment is out there for um, you know, for seizures and what have you, and it's not, you know, their constituents might be concerned about endorsing and supporting medical marijuana, but then you're bringing this other, you know, piece to the puzzle and this this solution. Um, And, you know, I, I just think that there are so many different ways that you can give them those stories because then that helps them push back against the political pressures, the media narratives. And then they might also identify other opportunities for you to advance your cause. They may be sitting in a committee hearing, hearing about, you know, this bill that's coming up or this funding pool, and they can always bring that back to you. So maintaining that relationship is is very important.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I was just thinking about, you know, different people that would come to the Capitol and, you know, along with that professionalism of, you know, keeping your emotions in check and and being well versed and knowing what you're talking about when you sit down there. it's you know be brief I mean it's not like you have to go and you know spit it all out in this super flood of everything, but you know I find, and I watch so many year after year that people that talk for a really long time you kind of lose them there after a little while and it's, you know but I think that that's really important and and if you can not read from your notes make yourself bullet points. Like if you're testifying at a table before a committee, make bullet points. You know, you can go to the Capitol in Baton Rouge, not in not in federally like what, you know, Cassie was talking about. You have to be asked to the committee there. But in Baton Rouge, you can just show up and speak to the committee, literally on any subject that you want to speak to them. If you, ask, you know, if you put in a green card or a red card and say that you want to testify, but be brief try to make eye contact, you know, try not to read so much and and keep those emotions in check. I mean, most of the time if, if you have a good cause, they want to make you happy. It's just that there's a whole lot of different opinions and a whole lot of different people to make happy and, well, that's democracy, right? <laughs> so any, any concluding thoughts? Katie?
2: Um, just so I, l- I had to learn this the hard way um, as an emotional parent, especially very emotional in the beginning. Um, like, try not to burn bridges. Um, you know what a legislator does, or how he votes, or she. Um, that's not a reflection on you, and you know, like to not take it personally, um, and to not like go after them because the legislator you scoffed this year might be the one to bring a bill for you next year. You know, so. It's, it's not personal, um, and you have to be able to, like, separate that. Yeah. Um, I think, ultimately, the reason why we're in advocacy, um, it always reminds me of this um, quote from Nelson Henderson um, saying, uh, the, the true meaning of life is to plant trees under which you do not expect to sit. And so, like, you, you really want to make the change, not only for, you know, yourself maybe, but for everybody going forward.
0: That's beautiful. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I just say, I've noticed that a lot
1: of advocates, especially just the everyday Americans, yes. they're concerned about something that happened to a child and, and they realize through that health process that there's some limitation or, um, you know, someone that, um, you know, you're seeing a lot with parents and education and crime right now. Um, But, you know, they want to do something about it, but they don't really know where to start. And they also are nervous about speaking to or calling their member. And I think it's easier to kind of help brief them and give them, you know, the talking points. Um, Of course, encourage them to share their story, record videos as well to share those on social media that's very impactful plus that stuff can always be picked up by the press and reused by you know by the legislators themselves but make it easy for them to act and that's to act on all sides so when preparing the communications make sure that you have communications for the advocates themselves for the legislators and for any other allies that that are part of you know your operation um, cause it really takes everyone working together to make people feel more comfortable doing so, Write write the script form. If they're having a calls, you know, wanting to call their legislator, prepare the email for them, you know, the email template to send to their legislator, um, and stuff like that. It just makes it easy for all and, you know, calms, calms the room.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I just want to say thank you to you guys. And you both have done some really great work in in advocacy. And it lifts lifts all boats, you know. It makes a big difference um, when you're passionate and engaged in your your state, in your community. I want to thank you guys for taking the time out of all your advocacy efforts to be with us today on Elevate's videocast. And, you know, for those of you who are listening, if you're interested in joining Elevate, or attending our legislative leadership conference on March 9th in Baton Rouge, which we'll, we'll have the governor there. Um, we'll have a panel of four um, representatives and four senators, and it'll give you a good chance to get to know a few people and learn a little bit of what everybody's expecting to happen in the upcoming legislative session. And if you just wanna hear more of our video cast or podcast, you can also visit our website at elevatela.org, that's elevate with two L's, E-L-L-E-V-A-T-E-L-A.org. I'm your host, Julie Stokes, and we'll see you next time.